it's Brian, your lunatic friend, former lead singer for the Sweet Comfort Band. By 1979, our second album, Breaking the Ice, would make us a nationally recognized Christian group. Wow, and it only took six years. And I didn't even realize that we were making better money until tax season when I discovered that I had spent $10,000 eating out and picking up other people's meals. Didn't feel like it. We were on the road all the time. It was the same cheesy motels. But I was definitely eating better when I got home. But we had the best equipment and flight cases to put them in. We'd also purchased a brand new bread truck and had it customized in the front to look like a motorhome. It had a bulkhead in the middle so we could put our music equipment in the back. And we would pull a tandem wheel 8x12 U-Haul, mostly to carry vinyl records that we would sell in concert. Vinyl records came in boxes of 30. They were heavy and they took up all kinds of space. And pulling a trailer load of them behind a truck designed to haul potato chips would destroy seven transmissions in the next few years. Being in the national spotlight would make us start worrying about our image. We hired Labrie Management to answer the phones because we couldn't while we were on the road. Unless we came across a phone booth, our new management said we needed to dress more like professional rock stars. Until now, we would have made a good grunge band that would be popular decades later. One of the side effects that we didn't count on in being a bigger act, for one thing, was being called an act. But it would also make us self-conscious. And the truth is, trying to dress to impress would become an embarrassment later on, looking back. But at the time, we were only looking forward. And right now, we needed to follow up a successful record. Reminds me of that Cracker Jack commercial. It's gotta be good and it's gotta be a lot and we gotta have it now. That's where we fell under the illusion that quality could be improved by a lot of money and we were about to spend it. We had seen a documentary on TV about a recording studio in Estes Park, Colorado. It was called Caribou Ranch. It was already popular for groups like Chicago to record at. Back in 1975, Elton John recorded a project there. It was called Rock of the Westies. Now if you remember the guy that I auditioned for, Tom Stipe, back in the Calvary Chapel tent days. He now had his own Calvary Chapel in Denver, Colorado, and he had produced several things for Maranatha Music. One recording got him invited to a studio session with John Lennon, who looked at Tom funny when he tried to tell him about Jesus, but we already knew Jesus, and we asked Tom to produce our next record. He also got us a connection with Caribou Ranch, and after a concert in Denver, the next day we made an appointment to go up and see the place. But it would be an ill-fated trip. Halfway up the mountain, we were introduced to a truck coming down the hill who hit us broadside knocked us on our side in a ditch. I remember getting out of the Jeep after that. The side door window was directly above me. Felt like the escape hatch out of a submarine. There were seven of us in that Jeep, and within minutes, six of us were out assessing the damage, and nobody noticed that Randy, who was riding in the back, hadn't gotten out yet. Turns out he took a direct hit that would break his collarbone, and it would cancel the trip to Caribou Ranch. We would go home, and Randy would spend the next two weeks in a hospital in Denver. In the meantime, we would start writing songs for a project that we would still do at Caribou. First thing we focused on would be to write a few songs that would sound good in a stadium. I'm not sure they were songs that were connected to the accident we had before we started this record, but the first song was called Hold On Tight, followed by Angel, and then Find Your Way. And because we were doing the album at the famous Caribou Ranch, we had no problem getting Jack Joseph Quigg, a recording engineer that everyone was using in Los Angeles, to come out for two weeks to do it. I liked him because he knew how to get that sound that Steve Walsh used in Kansas. But we weren't in Kansas, and neither was Toto. We wouldn't start listening to that band for some time. It would be another month before we could drive out to the Rocky Mountains where Caribou Ranch was. We had to wait for our guitar player to heal up. Caribou Ranch was a recording studio and a resort sitting in the middle of a paradise. It had a gigantic barn that had been converted into a first-rate recording studio. We each had our own cabins. There was a lake out front of the cookhouse with a deck that you could take in the view on. Also had an open pit fireplace 
And in your spare time, you could take up fly fishing or horseback riding. In fact, it was so nice that it had too many distractions to actually get any work done. And to top it off, it was a secret hideout for other rock stars. In the first week, we met Mike Love of the Beach Boys, who had come up to get away from his own band. Apparently, they had some disagreements occasionally. And Tom Stipe had a friend in Richie Foray, who had recently become a believer, and he loved fly fishing. Richie was originally in a band called Buffalo Springfield, eventually came into a group called Boko, and Souther Hillman Foray, before doing solo projects. Another singer-songwriter by the name of Dan Fogelberg came up. He had a place just around the mountain. He sat in at our studio sessions, just to observe for fun. An interesting fact is that we wrote a song in the studio while he was there called Carry Me, and I would not know it, but a year later, Dan Fogelberg came out with a song called The Power of Gold. If you listen to the two songs, it's the exact melody of a song that I wrote with Tom Stipe. But the difference between Fogelberg and the Sweet Sea record we were doing was there was a musical consistency with his project. Musically, we were just going too many places. We had these heavy rock songs right next to songs like Undecided, which is a song I wrote because I liked Reunited by Peaches and Herb. Rick and Randy had written a song called Chasing the Wind. They were big fans of Stephen Bishop, who a few years earlier had a song called On and On. They weren't an exact match. Their song went Chasing the Wind, Chasing the Wind. While Stephen Bishop's song went On and On, She Just Keeps On Trying. Now, I didn't hate either song, but I felt like we were getting dangerously close to folk music. And here's where the producer has to have an overview of how the record is coming together consistently. End of the day, in my opinion, we spent $50,000 making a mess. Too much time fishing and riding horses. And the final nail in the coffin, we had left management to do the album cover. The photo shoot was at Joshua Tree National Park. It was a great photo location. You 2 named their album after it. We spent the whole day on that photo shoot, mostly hanging from a rope off the top of a mountain. But the album cover was hideous. It had construction paper lettering with like a brown flare tip outline and a really distant picture of us hanging by a thread. And that's what I thought of this project. I didn't even want to tour this record. I was dumbfounded. We had a $50,000 record in a $250 jacket. And the next year would be the lowest point in Sweet Comfort Band's career. What we would learn is that money doesn't fix everything, and luxuries can distract you from what's most important, the message from your heart that has to be faced raw with no pampering. None of us like heartache. That's where the best songs are born. Let me say thanks to you for sharing your comments on NutshellSermons.com and supporting these stories by sharing them with your friends. Oh, and feel free to share my two-minute Nutshell Sermons with them, too.